1: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South
0: Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.
1: So I woke up this morning and I said, I need some good, good news. You know, just a little bit of good news. Any kind of good news. Somebody doing something noble. Somebody, I don't know, some politician actually telling the truth. Just a little good news. Of course, I searched for maybe three, four hours. <laughs> Couldn't find any. And then I, uh, I gave up. So all the headlines today. You know I love reading the headlines because they tell me just exactly how sick our culture and society has become. And I'm not one of these people who glorifies in being right i like being right everybody likes being right but i don't rub people's faces in it when i'm right occasionally i will make them buy me a steak dinner or something but i don't i don't feel good at somebody else's pain never never worked for me i know there's some people who really you know enjoy i got a couple of friends who really seem to enjoy Anytime there's any bad news about Trump, they can't wait to, you know, forward me the email or send me a link. You know, they just really seem so excited and happy about it. So I decided maybe I should do that back at them. And I was really tempted today. I didn't do it. I said, I'll save it for the radio because all the negative headlines that I have to, have to endure over any question about support for Donald Trump. I've endured so much that really it's difficult for me to refrain. So I won't totally refrain. I'll do it on the air and I won't stick anybody's face in it because that's not really necessary. But all of the headlines today and from publications that I don't care about You know, I I don't read Politico except when I'm forced to. In other words, if someone sends me a link and says, you know, is this true, and they want my take on it, then I'm forced to read the article. And that's what happened this morning. I got a forward which included a link to an article in Politico, and I put it off. I said, I'll do it after my show, I'm just not in the mood to read some liberal rag, you know? But then, I went to one of the aggregate news websites and the headline was literally, the the article leads to the article that this person had asked me about. The headline was, Donors Dump DeSantis, the Triple D, right? And so now I figured, okay, well maybe I better read this article because it's gonna be relevant. It's gonna have something to do very intimately with the election. And what it ended up being an article about, and I, I take everything in political with a grain of salt. I, I don't know if this is true, but I think that there are some truth to every story. There's truth to the stories about Donald Trump losing support. There is definitely truth to those stories. I mean, they're overblown and exaggerated because it serves the narrative, right? So I read this story, and I knew that these guys were liars, the writers, some Alex Eisenstadt and Jessica Piper. When they captioned a photograph of Governor DeSantis, and the caption is, the inability of Ron DeSantis to convert more of his gubernatorial donors into presidential ones is emblematic of a larger shortcoming of his current campaign. No, it's not. And I don't support him running in this primary. I don't, I think it was a big mistake. I told everybody I know that was on the inside of that campaign, and I don't know that many people, I knew like two. (laughs) But I told everyone that I knew or anybody that I thought had his ear, you know, my relationship with, you know, uh, Casey DeSantis, all that stuff was up in smoke because I don't, you know, I don't think he should be running in this primary, period. It's not uh, an appropriate move for him, particularly when we all voted for him for a second term of governor and we're all pretty happy with the job he's doing. Like, I'm sick and tired of people not being satisfied. You said you wanted to be the governor, we made you the governor, barely the first time. The second time, we gave you a resounding election, something you could be proud of, something you could serve to completion, and then you would be positioned for anything you wanted, including the presidency, somewhere down the line. But of course, nobody listens to me, including people who should know better, people who have had to admit I was right all along before. So, when you look at the people who are writing these articles, you have to take them with a grain of salt. Of course, the same people who were big-time donors to his gubernatorial campaign, particularly the second one during the 2022 midterm election, people who gave millions of dollars to him, a million you know, from Bruce Rauner, who was a former governor of Illinois. I mean, he had a lot of really big donors in that... In that um, gubernatorial race. They feel the same way I do. You know, we backed you completely. And then you just like thumbed your nose at us and said, well, I'm bigger and better than just the governorship. And okay, that means that all of those people who are willing to give you a million dollars to make sure you stayed the governor for a second term, they're thinking, what an ingrate You know, I was a big supporter of that man. But I don't think he has a chance of winning the general election at this time. I think everyone is just trying to figure out what to do. We've got, you know, Trump looming larger than life. And why did, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis, who was in a great position, why didn't he just wait? But he didn't. And so of the 50 donors who gave at least $160,000 to the DeSantis gubernatorial campaign leading up to his 2022 re-election, only 16, that's less than a third, gave a penny to the super PAC never back down. And that PAC you can give as much as you want to. So through the end of June, they just didn't, didn't pony up. Not to the super PAC, Some of them gave some money directly to his presidential campaign. But the top 50 list includes big donors who are now financially supporting other people, right? He could not convert his donors to his campaign for governor to donors to his campaign for the presidency. And when I said that on the air, I was lambasted including by another radio talk show host who I have a tremendous amount of respect for who said, don't down talk DeSantis. All the people who are supporting him are going to continue to support him. And I said, no, they're not. No, they're not. They feel betrayed. You know, the one thing you can never say about Donald Trump is he betrays his voters. He doesn't. I know Ann Coulter will, you know, thump the table and tell you, oh, but he didn't build the fence. No, he couldn't build the fence but just about every other promise he made, he fulfilled. And the one promise was that he would always think about us before himself. And if you need proof of that, just ask yourself this question. If you're a billionaire, a multimillionaire, and you've been the president of the United States, and you have withstood a really uh, ferocious onslaught by the opposition candidates, and then by your own party, and you endured for four years, and then you're really not, not completely convinced that there was a fair election for your re-election, how many of you would just stay home? And my hand is up. Look, I love this country, and I love, you know, fighting the good fight. I really do. But if I was Donald Trump, There is no way I would put myself in the position he has put himself in. Does anybody really believe that he would have all these indictments if he had just stayed home, gone home and stayed there? I'm sure that nobody believes that. I'm sure his wife doesn't believe that. I'm sure his kids don't believe that. I'm sure uh, nobody who supports this man and has ever gotten close to this man believes that. There's only one reason that you would withstand the assault that he's withstanding. You gotta really believe. You gotta really think that you could make a difference and that if you don't step up, you'll regret that decision for your whole life more than you would uh, enjoy sitting on the porch at uh, Bedminster or Mar-a-Lago, you know, pretending that you're happy watching the country go down the toilet. And no, he didn't believe that any of those candidates could do what needs to be done. And he liked them. He liked Ron DeSantis. I'm sure he liked Nikki Haley or appointed her the, uh, you know, the uh, UN ambassador. I'm sure he likes Tim Scott. He said nice things about Tim Scott. He said nice things about Vivek Ramaswamy. But he didn't believe, and to be perfectly frank, neither do I, that any of them could do what it's going to need to happen for the next four years and the next presidency. They can't take the beating. They can't. Why Why would anybody even suspect that they could? You know, I love when they say, well, Governor DeSantis stood up to the media. He stood up to the uh, Fort Lauderdale. No? He didn't have to take on or the Washington Post and the New York Times and Politico or any of those. And now that he has to take them on, I'd like to be on the inside of the DeSantis household today when he's reading a, co- a column in Politico saying like, hey, nobody who, uh, who even likes this guy is supporting him at this point. It's tough. You know, this is a guy who referred to me as a listless vessel. I will not quickly forget that. And I know it wasn't the whole context of what he said, but I know him well enough to know what he meant. And what he meant was that people like me, he feels the same way about people like me as some of my stupid friends feel about Trump supporters. Oh, they they don't understand that we have to win and you you don't want Joe Biden doing... No, no, no. I do understand. I'm not a listless vessel. I'm a fighter. I was fighting long before most of you guys were fighting. I was fighting. If, in case anybody forgets, when Rick um, Santelli got on the television set on CNBC and said we need a tea party, I got on the air the next day and said, "That's it. We're doing a tea party. We'll do one in Palm Beach. We'll do one in uh, in Broward County. We'll do one in Miami Dade. Who's in?" And the phones blew up. So I'm barely a listless vessel. You know, I'm a fighter. I'll go to the wall for what I believe in. But uh, I will not forget that comment. And more importantly, I will not forget how they were unable to listen to any of us who said, you're asking us to divide our loyalty to a man who we saw withstand a ferocious attack for doing the right thing. Like, maybe you're the listless vessel. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850WFTL app. That way you can listen to the No Restraint podcast. It's a good one this week. It's a good one every week. Not that I'm bragging, but it is. I really tap into some of the greatest minds in the whole country. And then, of course, you can visit the website, 850WFTL.com, and you can get access to our contests and podcasts and all that good stuff. I'm going to take a quick
0: break, and then I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little
1: So there really are other stories besides the politics of America or even the geopolitics. And some of them are so disturbing. And yet you would think that they were completely uninteresting. Like I was listening earlier today, I think on the Brian Kilmeade show about Alex Murtaugh and the fact that now the case is in complete disarray because apparently there was some really bad uh, conversations that were held in the courtroom and in the jury selection and in the jury room and now there's questions, questions. And that's a big story. It's not one that particularly interests me because Alex Murtaugh is a low life and I don't care how much time he spends in jail, just saying. He uh, fleeced a lot of people, a lot of innocent people out of a lot of money So that's not a story that I'm particularly interested in. I'll stay abreast and find out what's going on. If there's, you know, there's going to be an inquiry. Is there going to be a new trial? What does that mean? And all that stuff. I'll I'll be aware, but it's not something I would talk about. On the other hand, there was a story today in Metro that said that scientists report that they have grown the early stages of a human embryo-like entity without using sperm and egg or a womb. This embryo model even releases hormones that triggered a positive pregnancy test. So, uh, (laughs) you know, the purpose of the embryo, they say, is to provide an ethical way of monitoring early human development. Synthetic embryos would not be allowed to progress beyond a matter of weeks. So I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this, okay? I want research to take place in as least a despicable, anti-human way as possible. You know, I'm not one of these people, I love animals, I don't think animals should be treated, I don't love them, but I like them. I don't think they should be treated badly, I don't think you should be experimenting on them if you don't need to experiment on them. You know, now computer models Will tell us the very same thing as trying to put mascara into the eyeball of a kitty. You know, you don't have to do that anymore. But there are some things that science has not moved fast enough or has been unable to move fast enough to figure out what causes some of these developmental disorders and birth defects. And the sooner we understand that, the better. So I, I I'm not against research being done. My question is, what what are they talking about? How do you create human life without the fundamentals of a sperm and an egg, and a womb in which to store them? Um, you know, this is not just this isn't from the uh, Enquirer or some National Star newspaper. This is actually based on a report from a team at the University of Cambridge and the California Institute of Technology, they have created synthetic embryos using only stem cells. And it was published in the journal Nature. They did a, a, another study only using stem cells, and they described their results as the first complete embryo model, one that mimics key cells and structures throughout the first two weeks of development. So it's like a textbook image of a 14-day human embryo, which has never been done before. And how they did it? Well, I'm not a scientist, but from what I read, they used this like cocktail of chemicals to kind of coax the stem cells into transforming into four key embryonic cells, the epiblast, the trophoblasts, the hypoblast, and the extraembryonic mesoderm cells. Now, the only reason that doesn't make my head spin is because I broke out my. This will make you laugh, but I can't throw away books, especially textbooks that you know changed my life. So I broke out an old biology textbook, and in fact, I know what the the embryonic Cells are called or comprised the epiblast, the trophoblast, the hypoblast, and the extraembryonic mesoderm, or mesoderm, whatever the right pronunciation of that is. And imagine these professors said, "You got to give one of them." This guy, uh, Professor Hanna. This is a comment that you really have to ponder. You know, this is why I can't always think about politics because there's stuff going on in the world that we really better be thinking about and monitoring, okay? He says, I give great credit to the cells. You have to bring the right mix and have the right environment and it just takes off. That's an amazing phenomenon. So they allowed these embryos to develop to the 14-day mark, which is the... Uh, legal, or, or actually, I think it's the accepted legal cutoff for any kind of research to take place, embryonic research to take place. But if it's a synthetic embryo, then maybe that rule isn't even relevant anymore. Maybe a synthetic embryo would enable scientists to really get a handle on what happens in the early stages of development of a human being. You know, in the United Kingdom, embryo models are not considered human embryos. And there have been scientists working on synthetic embryos who are trying to develop artificial, you know, duplication of human cells. And what's the purpose? Well, so you can figure out how do you deal with inherited diseases? How do you uh, monitor how organs are developing in a fetus, in a baby? So there's a lot of ethical questions that are are gonna have to be discussed. And my big fear is this science moves so quickly that none of us even know it's happening. Because I'm pretty news conscious. I mean, I read it all the time. I study all kinds of subjects, from science to climate to politics to wars to the insanity. I got another uh, notification today. You guys think I'm making this stuff up, but I'm not. This came in my email box this morning. Biden administration announces additional security assistance for the Ukraine. This came from the Department of Defense. Today, the DOD announced additional security assistance to meet Ukraine's critical security and defense needs. This announcement is the Biden administration's 46th tranche of equipment to be provided from DOD inventories for the Ukraine since August of 2021. This package includes air defense equipment, artillery munitions, anti-tank weapons, depleted, including depleted uranium rounds for previously committed Abrams tanks and other equipment to help Ukraine counter Russia's ongoing war of aggression. The capabilities in this package Are valued at up to $175 million. And then they list all the equipment. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I got American citizens dying of fentanyl overdoses. And I've got these, you know, border patrol guys who cannot contain the flow of fentanyl into this country. Because this administration wants a wide open border, and I, I'm aghast. At what point do we put our foot down and say, "Hey, you know, no more, no more money for the Ukraine. Let's uh, let's secure the border. Let's find where all these people who are coming in. Now we found out yesterday that we had some like you know ISIS guys came across the border. Well, is that really surprising? I said that years ago. I said if I'm a, you know, a strategist for ISIS and don't think that there are a bunch of people riding around on camels. You know, these are guys that were educated at Harvard and Yale. By the way, Harvard is now considered the worst school for free speech in the entire country. So grateful that I spent so much money getting my my son educated there. And I I just when do we put our foot down? You know, that's what Donald Trump is all about. It's me putting my foot down and saying no. No, I want a president who's not going to send millions and millions of dollars to the Ukraine with any, without any hope of actually providing them with what they needed to have won this. Okay? It's too late now. Which part of admit your mistake and take that money and spend it on the southern border, the northern border, the airports, the security, anywhere, maybe you know, harden our schools so we don't have school shootings. I I can think of a lot of things. Treatment for people who are addicted. I can think of tons of things. Instead, I have to look at schools across America who are now bringing back masks. Even though we're pretty certain, right, that children don't need to wear N95 masks for 10 days like they're doing in some Maryland school or in some Alabama school. Talladega City School District, 1,700 students has also urged children and staff to wear masks. They stress they were encouraged but not required. Well, guess what? They are required in Kinterbish Junior High School. So w- what's going on? You wanna You want to help us? then perhaps stop sending all our money to the Ukraine. But hey, if we don't get Donald Trump back in the White House, you can kiss your tuchus goodbye. All right, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, and uh, I have as my next guest the uh, one of the candidates who's running in the Republican primary for the seat in District 25, which of course has been in the hands of Debbie Wasserman Schultz forever. And uh, Carla Spalding is my guest, and she actually did compete quite well in the last election, in the midterm election, against Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and she's back for another chance. So uh, I invited her on today. I have uh, spoken with uh, one of her Um, one of the other people who's running for that office, and anyone who wants to run for office, especially in Broward, Palm Beach, or Miami-Dade County, this show is where you should uh, be. You should be a guest on this show. So, Carla, how are you?
0: Good, my dear. It's always a pleasure speaking with you.
1: Yeah, well, listen, this is going to be a very, very interesting election. First and foremost, this is an election where the presidential candidate is, you know, potentially going to have a tremendous amount of pull on who comes out to vote. And I think that always works, the down ticket, you know. So who are you supporting in the Republican primary for the presidency?
0: Uh, Donald Trump. I will (laughs) always support him no matter what. I think he's the only person that can move this country along and also be able to speak with the other leaders, world leaders, and get us back where we need to be. Mm -hmm.
1: And now you've served in the military, you were in the Navy, you've worked in the VA hospital as a nurse, Um, you have been, you've held a lot of positions where you've seen firsthand just how disturbing the swamp is. And so people like you and I, we're, we're, not, you know, we're not flagging on Donald Trump because I think this swamp is getting deeper and deeper, and I don't, I don't see anybody else on the horizon who could drain it.
0: I agree with you. In fact, I was just speaking to someone the other day, and they were saying, don't talk about Republicans negatively. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we have a choice. Mm-hmm. Are we trying to save this country or not? Mm-hmm. And when you have... Both Democrats and some Republicans destroying the country from within. We have to call them out. We have mm-hmm. to vote them out. Mm-hmm. I think it's our obligation to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. No yeah. doubt about that.
1: Right. And I think one of the interesting things is I look at some of the people, uh, particularly, a bit, you know, persons of color like yourself and Byron Donalds. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I see that they, you know, they understand immigration better than just about anyone. You immigrated to this country. You're a, <laughs> a, a Jamaican native. And yet you're both adamant that if we don't control who comes into this country and where they go and where they, how long they get to stay, we're sunk. Yeah.
0: And, you know, like you said, I'm from Jamaica, and we're surrounded by, of course, other countries. And our district is primarily, actually, um, people from the islands, whether it's Cuba, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, Trinidad, Tobago. And we understand the urgency. Not only that, we know that the border must be protected because, as you can see, the people that are coming in are also included, not only just criminals, but also terrorists. Are coming in through Mm -hmm. and we need leaders that are going to not be afraid to stand up for Americans and I I was listening to the young lady prior to this to me coming on and she was talking about Ukraine and the the billions that are being allotted to to Ukraine Mm -hmm. I personally I am completely against that Mm -hmm. and as a Republican I would not vote for that. We need the money in our own country. And if we cannot take care of our citizens, do you know how many people already have foreclosures or um, for them to move out because mm-hmm. the elderly can't afford to pay their rent or their mortgage? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many same young people have to move home with their mother and or, or their father or, or roommates because they just can't afford it? So we have to take our country back. We have to sit down and see what is the priority or the priorities that we need to look at to make sure Americans are taken care of. And if we don't take care of Americans, foremost, we're the most important, not the other countries. So I think they have it backwards.
1: Oh, I agree. And I think one of the things that really distresses me the most and your medical background, it must make you cringe, is the fact that we have fentanyl pouring over this border and we are losing 100,000 Americans every year to overdoses from a drug which we, I've allowed, I believe it has been allowed to promulgate in our major cities, and it's almost like a genocide that's taking place.
0: Yes, yeah. well, I, I have something to say regarding that. This is why I also think mental health is not mental health illness is not just should be an awareness. We have to do something. We have to implement policies that are going to be helping. Right now, we have over 57,000 Americans that are suffering from mental health illness, illnesses, period. And the top two are anxiety disorders and also depression. And when you think about it, the children, one they're told they're a boy or they're a girl or they're this and they're that, and he, she, and all the other... Alphabet that goes behind it. Why wouldn't they be confused? Mm-hmm. So that's also an issue, and that creates the problem. Parents also have to be concerned. you know I went to the Florida Board of Medicine hearing, where I was able to speak on this particular topic of the transgender and uh, the surgeries that they're having. I want people to understand that there were nine thousand children on the Florida's list that was waiting for the surgery, the transient surgery. And with this, it includes the double mastectomy at 13 years old, hysterectomy at 16, and the removal of the penis, 17, 16 and 17 years old. Yes. So how could we even sit and allow this to happen to our children? Because they think that's what they need. I think it should be left until they're 18, and after 18, and by the way, this is only in America. In other countries, at 18, we don't throw our children out and say they're grown. They're there until 21, 25 years old, because that's when they really fully develop and understand. Because in school, they don't teach them how to have a normal, live a normal life. They don't. Mm -hmm. And
1: we don't allow them to vote. (laughs) So why would we allow them to chop off healthy body parts is beyond my comprehension. But again, I think, you know, you're talking about these things, but most of the politicians I know out there, They're afraid to talk about this.
0: Yes, they are. And I am not. And this is why I'm ready. Before, I would say that I wasn't ready, but I think my mind was more on the softer side, just the caring side. But politics is not just about caring. Mm -hmm. You have to have policies and procedures. You have to have the courage to stand up. You have to have the tenacity. You have to have all these things also to bring people together. And be passionate about it and explain to them, because the lack of education is also part of what's destroying that. And the Bible talks about that. Mm-hmm. We, we've got to educate the public, the general public. We yeah. have to take the time to go into communities. By the way, when I was running last cycle, we were told not to go into certain communities, which I think is wrong. And they say they don't vote anyway. But if they didn't vote, why are they still winning and have so many votes? So I still think it's our obligation to go into the communities and give them the good message that we have, yeah. the good solution and hope. The hope, hope is what
1: it takes. Yeah. And they're hopeless right now. Oh, and, and with good reason. Young people are confused and they've been abandoned by, the, by this country and it's, it's, it is shameful. If you want to find out more, just go to the website Carla for Congress, right? That's your website.
0: Yes. Yeah. Don't Carlos for Congress, Carlos Bolden for Congress, they will still reach us. It's important. Um, we, we, we're, we're, we need volunteers.
1: Mm-hmm. We need
0: poll watchers We need attorneys for whatever, for whatever reason. If it doesn't go that route, mm-hmm. we've got to make sure we have attorneys on board to fight like hell. That's yeah. what we're going to do, fight like hell. This is hey. our district. This is our country. And I'm not going to sit and be silent and not stand up for you. I will speak on your behalf. I will fight on your behalf, and you mm-hmm. have my word on well, there's,
1: that. there's her message. Go check out the website, Carla for Congress, or com. and if you want to help, it's time to get involved. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, <laughs> Carla. Always a pleasure. I'll Many see blessings. you soon. All right. You Likewise. take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right. Um, I ran a little late. So let me quickly get to my break. And then, of course, I'll be back for the final segment. And then after me, Eric Erickson comes your way tomorrow morning. We'll begin the madness all over again with Jen and Bill at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino, followed by the never a never ending saga of that woman who just won't get off the air, that Joyce Kaufman creature. I'll be right back. So I didn't, uh, you know, t- didn't <laughs> orchestrate my time properly. But there's a story that I will get to tomorrow, and it's uh, about a top climate scientist who confessed that he kept facts out of his um, his understanding. And an article, a recent paper, actually, he left some facts out because he knew if he put them in, it would not have been published. According to Patrick T. Brown, a PhD climate scientist and a lecturer at John Hopkins University. So this guy, he's a big deal, right? He said, all the scientific journals routinely reject papers that don't support certain pre-approved narratives. And instead, they'll favor research that is distorted so that it promotes this climate change doomsday agenda that they're so enthralled with. So he wrote an article for the Free Press. Now I have to tell you, when Barry Weiss was basically kicked out of the New York Times room, you know, uh, newsroom, I questioned whether or not she would ever, you know, be able to make it on Substack, which she was really the first person to blow up on Substack. I became a subscriber immediately because I was fascinated by what she claimed she wanted to do, which was to create an environment where real news gatherers, real reporters, real investigative journalists would have a place to showcase not just their ideas, but facts. Because these pre-approved narratives that they all want in the New York Times and in the, uh, on CNN and all these other places really don't help the public understand anything. So he confessed, this guy, Brown, Uh, Dr. Brown confessed that his recently published article in a very prestigious journal focuses exclusively on how climate change has affected extreme wildfire behavior. And he deliberately left out other key factors, including the big one, that 80% of US wildfires are, are you ready for this? Because you probably haven't heard this before, ignited by human beings. I just got published in Nature because I stuck to a narrative I knew the editors would like. That's not the way science should work. And he's right. That's not the way science should work. So I'm grateful that Barry Weiss said, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to set a place aside where people who are starting to feel pretty darn guilty about publishing papers that give the American public less information than they deserve and try to lead them into a belief system that they shouldn't believe. Climate change may affect wildfire behavior, but it's definitely not the biggest effect. And that's what he wrote. He wrote this article and I, I, you know, you should subscribe to Free Press, to Barry Weiss's publication and read this article. I left out the full truth to get my climate change paper published. That's so disturbing to me. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here at three o'clock tomorrow if it be his will and he delays his coming. And yes, I'll talk about climate change from a realistic perspective. I'll talk about human embryos being created without even uh, sperm and eggs because somebody has to. There's more to life than politics. May God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow.
0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof
1: experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.